Pull it in tight. Ooh. You can just put that out in here. <laughs> <laughs> okay, here we go. Um, this is Mark. This is Kenny. And this is All I Want to Do is Talk About Madonna. Premiere episode of season two. Welcome back, Kenny. Thank you, Mark. It's good to see you. It's good to be seen. 1988. <laughs> Yes, this is this episode is sort of like we're calling this a sort of foundational episode, sort of set the scene for our whole season. The season goes from 1988 to 1993, so what better way to start than with a little history about what was happening with Madonna in 1988? A lot of people would say, "Oh, nothing was happening. She went and did a Broadway show, but she didn't make any music. She wasn't really on the scene." Except when we started to look at this year, we realized a lot happened. Well, it's interesting that Madonna, um, like all of us in quarantine, Madonna spent a lot of 1908 kind of in the same kind of situation. She uh, pretty much stayed put in New York. Uh, she was doing a play on Broadway called Speed the Plow by David Mamet and um, kind of staying on her own, living in New York at her apartment that she bought. Um, and Which John? with Sean Penn. Um, they were kind of on the outs at the beginning of the year, but had kind of resolved to reconcile. They were more than kind of on the outs. I mean- They were on she, the outs. She, she had, had separated. Filed, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then she rescinded later, but they were, it looked like they were on the verge of, of truly being divorced. And then, um, so they kind of decided to reconcile and then they both kind of went to different coasts. So, um, but so she was doing this play called Speed the Plow. And um, the play is a three-hander by David Mamet about two Hollywood moguls played by Ron Silver, who won a Tony, the late, great Ron Silver, and Joe Mantegna. And um, she played a, a secretary named Karen. Unfortunately. Who comes <laughs> unfortunately today. <laughs> and she um, comes in and asks if they want coffee. Yep. A perfect role for Madonna. <laughs> And it's really sad because like one of the jokes around Broadway at that time, uh, she had like her third line in the whole play was, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. And everyone was like, <laughs> well, obviously you don't, girl. Um, so she was, you know, I mean, I think that the play, the play is kind of misogynistic and kind of awful. Kind of. And, kind of. And so, and Karen, her character kind of tries to outmaneuver the men and then is defeated ultimately. And so she was losing, she was playing a part in a play over and over and over and again, um, which I think she found quite tiresome um, doing the same thing and the same place over and over again at that time and also losing every night. She lost and she was kind of defeated. So it, it kind of put her into this kind of dark space and she was writing lyrics and writing poetry and starting to work on what would become like a prayer. Mm -hmm. You know, she, um, I think, well, we talked about this before, but it's like she also was just really bored. And I think so. And you said this to me that when Madonna is bored, then really interesting things start to happen, right? This yeah. friendship with Sandra Bernhardt, who apparently they had known each other a little while, um, really They blossomed. met at Warren Beatty's house, remember? They met at Warren Beatty's house. <laughs> no, was it that they met at Warren Beatty's or that's where she introduced Sandra to Sean? 
is what oh, I yes. thought she said. Oh, so I think yes. they knew each other, but I think Warren Beatty was the person that was friends with all of them. Yes. So, correct. but Sandra Bernhardt, the fantastic Sandra Bernhardt. Amazing. Yes. Still um, to this day. To this day, amazing and hilarious. And if they ever have a chance to see her live, it's you know, so worth it. Um, but they became very close that summer. Sandra Bernhardt was downtown at the Orpheum Theater doing her one-person show, Without You, I'm Nothing, which later became a great movie that actually talks about her relationship with Madonna or shows it through images. Um, and they would, their shows both closed around or came down at the same time at night and they would get together with another girlfriend of theirs. Jennifer Grey, who Madonna met doing Bloodhounds of Broadway at the beginning of 1988. She yep. was shooting the, the film um, that I don't believe, it, it may have had a theatrical release, but it, I, I saw it on PBS. It was like a PBS film. Yes, they put it on Masterpiece Theater actually. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. The three of them would go out carousing. Yeah. In town. Yes, and they would wind up at the Cubby Hole, which is a lesbian bar in the West Village. And the second bar in New York City that I went to when I moved here, I moved here in 19, the fall of 1999. And I think the second night I was here, we went to the Cubby Hole because Madonna had been to the Cubby Hole. Mm. What was the first bar you had gone to? I'm not going to tell you tonight on the show. <laughs> it's it's no longer it's no longer in existence, sadly enough, in New York, mm -hmm. which makes me sad. Well, through this carousing, the paparazzi and the press had a field day, and yes. they became a sensation. I think it's also interesting. This was the beginning of Madonna. Um, being a a source of fascination daily with the paparazzi um her apartment building on the upper west side um there was a walk you had to walk from the building through this courtyard to the cars that would ultimately be outside and there's like websites dedicated to madonna's daily walk from the building to the car and that happened for years when madonna was in new york it's well there insane. weren't there weren't websites back then but there are now for sure yes but, dedicated but, to the yeah. yeah but um yeah i mean i think it really started with her and sean because there was so much press and he paparazzi and he hated the paparazzi which only made it like more mm -hmm. them more galvanized because an event would happen he would like beat people up which is why he wasn't he in jail at the beginning of this year correct yeah so he was in jail because he had beat up a paparazzi right yeah um yeah so but um you know i used to go and stand across the street from her apartment to wait for her to exit to hope uh, you know, hoping and praying that I would see her, but I never did. Aww, like a little Kenny. Were you like up? Did you talk to the doorman or like no, no, the, no, guy, no, no, the no. guard? I, I never got that close. I always sit across the street, a respectful distance. Okay. You know, All right. I was trying to be respectful. See, I would have made friends with somebody in the building. Oh, I, I know you would have. Found a way, found a way up have. there. It, it's an interesting time because it's, it's, there's a melancholiness to Madonna and kind of a lack of, um, uh, surprise. And so, but the regimentedness of it, I think, appeals to her. Absolutely. And also the um, the things that came out of her creatively are extraordinary. And, you know, Kenny said this before, that um, she really kind of took time to strategize and really think and consider what her next steps would be this year. Well, I think she I grew a lot. Say. Yeah, that's what I wanted to say, that it was a growing year for her. It was also a year, I think, um, where she 
had she was back to her natural hair color and i think this is important in her narrative because there's very few years where you can say that about madonna that the whole year she was in her natural hair color right mm. and there was something about being in that hair that was that that sort of naturalness obviously it was for the part of karen because they needed to sort of glamour her down so mm. that she could look like actually a secretary because how do you take one of you know madonna who's like this icon and sort of bring her back to human size yeah. So it was good for that, but it also sort of let her be in this neutral space. She was no longer the true blue image. She had sort of stripped that away. All of that stuff, the Nikki Finn, all of the crap, you know, mm -hmm. was sort of taken away. We had her with her like true hair color. Like when we see her on Letterman in the middle of the year, she looks like she doesn't have any makeup on. I mean, of course she does, but she looks very fresh and clean. She had just turned 30 years old. She is 29 to 30, y'all. What were you doing when you were 29? That's what I want to know. What wasn't oh, I doing? I know, right? Um, let's talk about the Letterman performance for a second, because mm. I do see it as a performance. Um, Madonna was on uh, was the a surprise guest um, on July first, nineteen eighty eight, on the Letterman show before he went to CBS, the old original Letterman, which was much edgier and and kind of more ramshackle, and it was really hip to be on the Letterman. And it was show. the late night show. It was yes. at twelve thirty. It wasn't at eleven thirty. Yes, and Sandra Bernhard is a legendary guest on that show. I mean, every uh, many nights I have fallen into a YouTube wormhole watching all of the different um, appearances of Sandra Bernhardt's. Um, a lot of times it was just Letterman checking in with Sandra. Like, what are you talking, what's going on? What's happening? And she would deliver in eight minutes. I mean, it's master classes in how to do talk shows. Yep, agreed. So she comes on the show that night and um, she's wearing jean, jean, cut off jean shorts. Right? High waisted. High waisted because yes. it's 1988. And a white t shirt tucked in with a black yes. belt. And possibly. And yeah, I don't remember the belt now. And I don't remember what the shoes are either, though. I'm sure you do. They were like sneakers of some sort. And she's just having a regular go see with Letterman and at some point she, he says something about Madonna and she says well should I bring her out and he I don't know that he really knew she was gonna that she was there or coming out do you I think he knew she was there I didn't expect I don't think that he was prepared for them to come out right she comes out she's wearing the identical outfit yeah and the two of them just sort of take over the show about a year ago, I was in Italy the same time you were in Italy. I have a great story about being in Italy then with you. You have a great story? Yeah, about you were you were working there and I was on vacation. It's a wonderful story. Maybe oh, so far I'm fascinated. <laughs> <laughs> I'm riveted to the story. Uh -huh. She hates it when people don't talk about her yeah. in front of her. Oh, Go ahead. You don't have that problem much. I'm just going to you. Woo! I love you, Sandra. Uh, I love you, babe. Well, I can't believe you're wearing we, the same you, thing I'm wearing. Yeah. What I know. A I can't imagine how it happened. But uh, uh, you know, you look great. You just look terrific. <clears throat> Thanks. Well, you're very welcome. And you're in the Speed the Plow, and is that fun to do? Mm-hmm. <laughs> she hates it. <laughs> She's miserable. I am. I want out. <laughs> oh. Um, uh, yeah. What is it you no, don't? No, we're going to trade 
it's right. I'm going to do her show. She's going to do she's mine. Gonna, well, I'm putting together a stand-up act for her. Oh, is that right. right? Madonna in the big room at Ballet. I'm going to stand up and everyone's going to laugh at me. They are going to laugh at her. Why, yes. do, why don't you like being in the play? I do. Well, you just I'm said just, you didn't, though. I'm just effing with you. Oh. Ooh. Ooh, yeah. baby, baby. In that case, let I love me, you, baby. Let me I adjust love the chair. Uh, so anyway, you... Yeah, it, it's kind of brilliant because, you know, she, there was a lot of innuendo at the time that they were dating or they were lovers. And um, the lack of Sean Penn presence, I think, definitely fed into that. Um, and kind of all of this paparazzi attention of them being downtown, hanging out in bars. And and Madonna really kind of tweaked her nose at it. And, um, and she often used, um, for better or for worse, uh, talk show appearances to kind of you know, play with people and and make make innuendos and kind of tease out these ideas about her personal life. She really starts to um, with this per, with this performance kind of reclaim her privacy because she kind of is controlling the narrative in yeah. this with him yeah. and with Sandra. I mean, they they kind of cook up this kind of like faux dramatic reading uh, that they no, do. Really. Uh, Sandra, yeah. I think we should just cut it right here. Oh, good. What? You know what? No, I'm sorry, I don't. What? You know what? No, tell me. Get you want me to? Get real with me. Do you want me to? Uh, go ahead. You brought it up. I don't know what the hell you're talking about. Well, I think about. we have a little skit Excuse coming me, up here. David. Yeah, sure, right, go ahead. <laughs> you want me to come back? Oh, I'd love to have you come back. I think, I think it's time to fess up and get real. Honey, anytime you're ready, get real. Well, I hate stuff like this. Uh, I, just, <laughs> I just hate stuff okay, like yes, this. Okay, yes, I slept on the show. Shut up. Shut up. <laughs> Not here, get horrible. You lied. Now, look. You were much better. <laughs> Leg off of me. She doesn't give a damn about me. Oh, right. Zara? She loves Sean. Well, I can understand that. She's been using me. Just to get to Sean. To get to Sean. Well. I introduced her to Sean three years ago at Warren Beatty's house. Listen to this. At Warren Beatty's house. I swear. <laughs> and she has been in love with him ever since. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's true. I'm well, not denying She doesn't care about me. Oh, well, that's, that's She's sad. been using me. Well. Our late night loony. <laughs> God. Listen, we, we, we're running a no, little short on... No, wait a second. I'm running. telling you the truth. Okay. Sandra, I'm, I knew you could never... We, excuse me. We have to... We, wait a second. I knew she would never admit to it privately, so I'm taking this chance to humiliate her in front of thousands of people. Thousands? Thousands? All right, a hundred. You're going to humiliate me. And, you know, at that time, it was hugely controversial because no major pop star was making those kind of, who, who had the kind of broad audience that Madonna had in 1987, yeah. 1988, uh, would make those kind of innuendos on national television. 
At the end of August of 1988, Madonna and the entire company of Speed the Plow left the show and had a replacement cast um, led by Bob Balaban and uh, David Raish, which I think would be actually a really interesting company to see. Replacing Madonna was uh, Atlantic uh, Theater uh, board member and company member Felicity Huffman. Um, Who her friends call Flicka. <laughs> and uh, I think she would have been really interesting too oh, in the definitely. role. Very different. Um, and this was years and years and years before Desperate Housewives and Sports Night and all of those uh, great successes and um, her short uh, prison stint. And um, Madonna, a month later, uh, started working on really recording Like a Prayer. And um, a lot happened that fall while she was recording it. And um, by the end of the year, she and Sean Penn were uh, filing for divorce. So um, throughout the year, I think there was a lot of transition, a lot of discovery. You had said that she um, had been in therapy a lot. Oh, yeah. You know, I I always think this when I think of um, the album Like a Prayer, because there's a certain sense of intentionality to that album that hadn't really been there before about um, her voice and her perspective and even the videos were more intentional or more uh, thinking on things on a bigger level and I remember reading interview I want to say it was probably Rolling Stone but we'll have to look and see that she talks about um, going to therapy and how annoying she finds it but also it was clear to me that she had been it was a time where she started to figure out a lot of things or was able to look at what she had done and think about where she wanted to go and she could actually harness her power more because I think in 86, 87, 85, 86, 87, like really the, the power was, it was like she was in the weeds, like she was out of control, you know? And then I think by the time she did like a prayer and all the way through this whole, this whole season that we're following, she really is driving it with a really clear focus and intention about what she's doing. I mean, 1988 is Madonna at a crossroads and she's either going to recommit to her marriage and make that work and make a lot of sacrifices to make that work and do uh, kind of follow other people's advice and other opinions and and things like that, or she's going to kind of go to the next level as a, as a global superstar. And... Um, it's right around now that she starts to make individual choices and really specific um, choices for her that kind of go against the grain of what was happening in contemporary culture. Um, in early 1989, we had bands like Millie Vanilli and Paula Abdul and the New Kids on the Block and Debbie Gibson. It was really the, the, the climax of that 80s excess in pop music with lots of gloss and lots of sheen. Um, this was also around the time Heart was a huge, big metal ballads band and a time that Anne and Nancy Wilson now say was the worst time of their career. Um, Stevie Nicks as well had, had these big glam contraptions wrapped around their, her music um, that haven't aged well. And Madonna kind of used 1988 to strip back to her roots and get... Um, kind of back to basics in a, and, and produced a sound that didn't sound anything like what was on the radio at that time and kind of was a breakthrough for her. And it really was from kind of digging inside of herself and really trusting her own gut. We, we can't discard the 
what was happening in the world at that time. I mean, in America, we had just had eight years of Reagan. We were now going into another four years of Bush. I think the the country was becoming more and more conservative, which was something that Madonna was really good at pushing against. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it let her be in a place too, where the best parts of her personality, the, the questioning, the sort of boundary pushing aspects of her became more interesting to her because she was in a society that was more and more and more about repression, you yeah. know? And it's, I don't know that it's an accident that when, we were in a more um, liberal time that her career was less compelling to some people because there was more freedom. Her, her pushing the boundaries weren't as interesting in a moment where there's not as much repression. You know? Exactly. Yeah, she has to have something to push against the grain. And, and yeah. I think that's why it's always it's sad. But like whenever Madonna's really unhappy... And, and is feeling taken advantage of or feeling, you know, the world's against her, she rises up and gives us a sucker punch musically afterwards. And that's yeah. that's kind of what Like a Prayer becomes. And I think um, with all of the ups and downs of this kind of dark dormant year, the, 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 the fruits and the gifts that come from it are um, indescribable, but we're gonna try this season. We're gonna do our best. Until next time. Bye.